0: Welcome to the Upper Left. Each week, you'll hear startup founders and co-founders, corporate executives, angel investors, venture capitalists, and economic development officials discussing entrepreneurship and innovation in the Upper Left. Now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon, listeners. Lee Reeves, coming to you from beautiful Seattle, Washington, you are listening to The Upper Left, a podcast about scaling entrepreneurship and innovation in the upper left. This is season two, episode number two of The Upper Left, and we have a phenomenal episode for you today. We are joined by Ali Magyar, the founder and CEO of Vancouver-based Hub. Ali, it's great to have you on the show. How are you today?
1: I'm great. It's Friday, so it's a good day of the week.
0: Absolutely. And we were just, we were just having a conversation about the beauty of Friday and, you know, leading up into the weekend. So I'm, I'm glad you are as excited about the the weekend and Friday as, as I am. So, um, well, first and foremost, thank you for, for joining me on the upper left. It, it really is a pleasure to, to have you. Um, I want to I want to just go ahead and kick things off because uh, you and and Hub and uh, your phenomenal team have have been in the news recently, uh, as recently as October um, when you raised a Series B round with participation from Five Elms Capital and uh, as well as the Oregon Venture Fund and Elevate Capital. Uh, so what I really want to do is just try and get into into your mindset right of things that you are gonna have to do or things that you want to do now as uh, as you've raised this round but before we do that I want to kind of take a step back and have you just tell us a little about your entrepreneurial journey and how you got to where you are
1: sure well I think as an entrepreneur there's certain things that you don't recognize early in life that you start to recognize a little bit later as you go through your journey and for me, being an entrepreneur has really been a lifelong experience. And I think a lot of how we encourage and treat our children as they grow up helps to encourage the types of behaviors for entrepreneurs. And for me, I was very lucky to have a dad that modeled those things for me. By the time I was in third grade, he had me building first aid kits for him in the garage for 25 cents a piece. <laughs> um, so I really learned the value of hard work early and that you know, if I wanted something, that I could work for it and I could make it happen. Um, and as I continued to grow, I ended up playing a lot of leadership roles in school in terms of class president and uh, being help, helping to organize and manage funds as a part of uh, my school and my class. And when I graduated, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I'm not sure that any 18-year-old necessarily does because you graduate high school and all of a sudden you're supposed to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. And so for me, I was... Pretty confused and i went to college and i actually got a scholarship i was uh, english and a music major i was a concert flautist which is so far beyond anything that i do now <laughs> um, and uh, while i was at school i just realized that i wasn't super passionate about what i was doing and that i didn't want to spend the rest of my life not being passionate about what i was doing so I ended up leaving college i only went one quarter and came home but one of my biggest hobbies was a show and race cars. So I'm sure everyone has seen one of the Fast and the Furious movies. So when I was about that age, the Fast and the Furious, the first movie was coming out. And because I had so much, so much of a love of street racing and cars, I ended up working with Universal to do their premieres here in the Northwest um, and started a car club and then started to produce car shows as part of that because there wasn't an environment for all of my friends and the community to get together and really enjoy each other in Portland. Um, And so I ended up throwing one car show. I took my savings, uh, $950, and decided to rent out the Clark County Fairgrounds in Vancouver and promoted it. I hustled. You know, I think hustle and grit is one of the biggest things in regards to um, skill sets for entrepreneurs. And I got radio stations to cover it for free. I went to every mall and put flyers on cars and ended up having several hundred cars come and exhibit and 3,000 people come to the gate paying 15 bucks a piece at the point where my dad is running back and forth forth the Safeway trying to get money orders because we were terrified at having this much cash on a Saturday at a fairgrounds. And for me, that was the first step of saying, wow, I really can create my future. I can do things that I love and impact other people's lives as a part of it. Um, And so one car show turned to four car shows, turned to six car shows, turned to 10 car shows over about six years. And that was my full-time job. And I produced lifestyle car shows across the country, not only for cars, but we also had breakdancing contests and Um, beatboxing and all sorts of other, it was a lifestyle event. And so during the week I would plan and manage and stress out way more than I should have at 21 years old. And then on the weekends, I'd fill the planes with my friends and we would go all over the country uh, and produce these shows on the weekends and then fly back on a Sunday night. So that was really from the time I was uh, 18 to 24, that was my first company was Impulse Productions and really allowed me to cut my teeth on what it meant to be a solo entrepreneur and how to make a business happen.
0: And and at that time, uh and, and speaking of Fast and the Furious, I do remember the Fast and the, the Furious uh, series. Um I grew up in Southern Oregon, actually, and uh, and at the time Paul Walker's parents lived in Coos Bay. Uh, and I and I do remember uh in the world newspaper uh an article that was written by one of the, uh, the journalists there in, in Coos Bay. He had taken a photo of the black Honda Civics, uh, that Paul had brought to Coos Bay that weekend that he was visiting his parents. So that was kind of like, Oh wow, Paul Walker you know, the black the Civics. That was really cool. So, um, now, now after, uh, after impulse productions, right. You, you, did somewhat of a pivot, right? You you mm-hmm. got into uh, corporate events. Can you talk a little right. bit about that, that pivot and um, what led you down that path?
1: Yeah. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, you have to constantly be scanning the market. And oftentimes, you know, when we create a company or create a product, it's our baby. So you believe in it and you just are all for it. And I think you also have to have the ability to look and say, is this actually still a market fit? Is there an opportunity? Is the industry growing? And what should I be looking at? And for me, what I saw was, although our shows continue to increase in terms of numbers, um, there was a lot of other lifestyle type events popping up. And there was a lot more when you're doing trade shows like that, where the gate is dependent on if it's a nice day, because if so, people are going to go to the beach or to the lake, or if there's a prom, there's a variety of different conflicting elements that can uh, really change the course of your business. And so for me, I wanted to go into something that allowed me to take my event expertise and my desire of creating um, experiential elements to bring people together in a more sustainable and long-term way. And so I decided to go work in corporate events, but I didn't have any background in corporate events. So I decided to take a job as an event manager with a company called Dynamic. events in Redmond Washington Um, and so I started there and when I joined there was about 17 people at the company so I was joining as an event manager and through that process saw a lot of opportunity at dynamic events to be able to expand the business um, focus on more strategic elements really move more into technology because when I started there in 2004 technology was fax machines And that's how we manage registration. It was snail mail and fax machines. And so I really saw that as an opportunity to be able to step up and start to own some of these elements. And within about 12 months, I had owned our technology division, had recreated our sales and marketing plan, and was managing the large scale events across the company. Uh, And at that point, I looked at that and said, I'm basically running this company because I saw an opportunity and I learned and I adapted and I helped to push in new ways Um, and And so I went to the owner and let her know that I was either going to leave or that she could sell me the company. But by the way, I had no money. (laughs) So that was a crossroads for me. Um, And fortunately, she agreed to sell me the company. And I think there's a lot of creative ways that you can look at... Um, being an entrepreneur and getting your foot in the door and expanding because for me, I took a job as an event manager. That was at the time a $35,000 a year job, but it was an opportunity for me to get in, for me to learn something new. And then if I'm constantly looking for market opportunities and change, I can create the opportunity myself. And so again, my dad comes into the picture because I was telling him, I'm terrified to have this conversation. I have no money. What am I going to do? And what I ended up negotiating was just, I already knew that I had profit because of what I had booked for business and what I was controlling. And so I offered to pay her out over two years, um, offered her $50,000 for the company and, uh, you know, over two years was able to pay that off very quickly and be able to grow that company from just myself. Because at the point where I started, I had a completely different vision and path and culture that I wanted to instill. So when I bought the company in 2006, basically everyone left and it was just me. And from 2006 when I bought the company to about 2015, we were on the Inc 5000 list two years in a row and we were able to grow to almost $5 million in revenue and over 40 employees in that timeframe in a professional services organization.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible. I think that's, that's certainly something worth worth noting that speaks to your um your, your your experience and your vision and and you know the grit and determination that you that you talked about right. Inc. Five thousands list of fastest growing companies in America, uh, among numerous other awards nationally and regionally that that you won as well at uh, at Dyma- dynamic events. Um, and, and at this point in time, right, this is where this is where Hub comes into play. It is uh, because you you actually created that product to start using with dynamic events and and to support your team at the company is that correct
1: yeah so we were planning and managing some of the world's largest technology conferences for fortune 50 companies and in the early 2000s uh, similar to now there was a lot of disruption in terms of what the event landscape looked like. And we went from using fax machines to now we have FTP sites, now there's SharePoint. And because we were planning and managing events for Microsoft, we were constantly having to dog food their technology as a part of the events, because obviously we need to use what we're producing events about. Um, And as a part of that, I realized that as a technology-enabled services CEO, the biggest job I had was figuring out how to scale my team and make our events more successful in the process. And it became really clear to me in seeing the Microsoft transformation that business productivity was how I would be able to do that. And so I looked at the areas in our business that were causing us the most time and the most pain in managing an event. Um, And for us, that was around the content management. So anytime you have an event, you have to first start with what are you going to talk about that people are interested in? So you have to put out a call for content or a call for speakers, collect in all that information. Then you have to work with your team of experts to decide what are you going to accept and decline so that you've got the right content? What are you missing? and then you have to allow speakers to be able to update their speaker profile, their headshot, their bio, they also want to make tweaks and changes to the title or the abstracts or tag things with specific information. And at that point, we were doing everything through email and excel documents and that was taking us massive amounts of time and headcount where it was just paper pushing and I knew that we had much more value as a strategic member versus a tactical just paper pushing. And so Similar to looking at the market opportunities and how you shift and change, you have to look at how can you simplify and what can you hand off and what can you create that helps you to be able to scale. Um, And so for us, we decided to build a software product that fixed that issue. And it really came up because I was managing an event for about 500 people or so or sorry, a couple couple thousand people, and had several hundred speakers. And the night before the program, the business owner called me and said, hey, Allie, we changed up the whole agenda for tomorrow, all the speakers and sessions, and I'm just gonna start forwarding over the emails and the spreadsheets, I need you to fix it all, and then print everything before 6 a.m. when everyone gets there. And so I ran down to Microsoft's campus and I had my colleague with me, who's now CEO of Dynamic Events. And uh, we started sorting, resorting all these spreadsheets. And then finally at two o'clock in the morning, had all of the information because he couldn't find the most recent version that he was using of the spreadsheet. And then he was sending me conflicting emails and just a massive amount of work. And then in the middle of the night, the printers started to break. And so now here I am, literally covered in ink, pulling out all the copier pieces with my colleague. And I looked at her and I said, Said, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that was actually the creation of Hub, because immediately following that event, Jamie and I said, we're going to fix this. And we uh, worked with a consultant to tell them what our issues were and started to build our own software product. Uh, And that I think any entrepreneur that looks at a market and understands a market need and builds it for a problem they're experiencing has unique value to bring from the perspective, the use cases, the customer stories that go into building the right. Product the first time,
0: so so the product. I mean, the the, the solution really was, um, in essence, uh, built to solve a problem that you and your team were having. <laughs> um, where where it gets interesting and, and where I'd love to have you you know kind of expand on is, okay, Hub solves a problem for my team. And I think that this, this product can actually solve a problem for a lot of other teams. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a, a little bit about some of the early customer development that you did uh, with Hub and uh, what you learned from some of the early customers that you uh, started relationships with?
1: Yeah, definitely. So when we built the product, it was about 2012 that we started to build the product. And from 2012 to 2014, we used it internally at dynamic events. And we learned a lot through that process because we ran, you know, 20, 30 events a year on the platform. So we were constantly learning and adapting and changing the software to fit our needs. And in 2015 is really when I had that epiphany moment of, we've built something of great value. There's a lot of technology entering our market right now, and I know this could be of help to others. And so I decided to bootstrap and self-fund a go-to-market strategy in 2015. And in our first year, we had a really tiny budget. Um, so you know, we were bootstrapping, uh, but by the end of the year, we had gained 21 paying customers, including Microsoft, um, Intel, Atlassian, and Tableau Software. So some of the tech giants of the world that were needing the types of tools um, that we had put together and built. And a part of that is if you're in the industry and understand the vertical, you know the people um, starting locally, right? A lot of those companies are local where you could go and sit with someone and say, hey, we've created this product. What do you think? Do you taking the opportunity to actually talk with people, get their feedback and understand their pain points? There was a lot that happened in the first year for us that opened our eyes of, you know, we'd been focused in corporate high tech and that was our experience. But as we started to talk to other corporate companies, we realized they might have different business models or ways that they were doing things. And so for us building the platform with that agility and that flexibility in mind to meet all different types of use cases was one of the best things that we could have done in our first year was taking the opportunity to learn from others in our industry and also then gaining their trust and getting them as users as a part of our platform in
0: the first year in market. Yeah. One of the, one of the words that I, I picked up on, um, as you were describing, you know, that, that experience with some of your early customers was, was local. Um, and I, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of local for a second, because, uh, you yourself are local, right? You are a, a Pacific Northwesterner uh, by, by all means, mm-hmm. um, you have local customers, um, on the, uh, let's, let's maybe switch to the investment milestones because some of those investment milestones parlay into that, that local theme, right? Um, you, you won the Seattle angel conference in 2016, um, followed by the Ben venture conference that same year. Mm -hmm. Um, you went on to raise a series a round in October of 2016 with participation from the Oregon angel fund and elevate capital, both local Funds, uh, Portland, Oregon, and yeah. then most most recently uh, your Series B round in October of this year, with participation from Five Elms Capital, and then follow on investment from the Oregon Venture Fund, which was the Oregon Angel Fund previously. Right. They changed their name, uh, and then also from Elevate Capital. Can you talk about the value of local relationships and how those rela- local relationships have affected? you, your business, uh, and contributed directly to the success that you've you've seen?
1: Sure, well, and I think community drives everything. Uh, For me, that was a big part of learning that I had to do over the years, because with dynamic events, I ended up having my heads down, growing that business as fast as possible, and I didn't have a community. And so at the point where uh, we decided to go to market with Hub, I was left not even understanding what uh, the investment community looked like. I didn't know what startups looked like. You know, I'd always been a bootstrapped entrepreneur. And so I didn't have anyone around me and I didn't know anyone to ask the question of. And so after our first year of bootstrapping, uh, I ended up talking to my sister who lives in San Francisco. And I remember being in the Hyatt Hotel in the lobby and being in tears and telling her, I know I've got this great product and I... have bootstrapped the company so far, but I know the market opportunity is now and I don't know what to do as a next step. And so she offered to introduce me to five people in her network um, that could talk to me about what the startup community meant, what investment looked like um, some tips and tricks or people that they might be able to introduce me to. And so I met with those five people and during that conversation, tried to be very authentic to ask them, uh, their, honest feedback. So if someone just said, Oh, yeah, that's great. I would ask them what is great about what I'm telling you. So starting to really use the community to vet uh, what their thought and perspective was. And a lot of those people were based in Seattle. And so those five people introduced me to five people. And then those five people introduced me to five people and five times five times five times five ends up being a lot of people that can help you in your journey or introduce you to other people that can help you in your journey.
0: Yeah, and that's you know that's an interesting that's an interesting perspective. I mean, the, the the network effect definitely has has value, right? To your point, right? It's it's really about you know, who, who can, who can introduce me to, to this individual, maybe they're a prospective customer or, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe they're a prospective investor, right. Or maybe they're just, uh, you know, kind of a, somebody off of the street who knows nothing about your product and or your market, your business, et cetera, and could just give you candid, candid feedback. And, and, and every one of those interactions, there is value, um, Mm -hmm. to, to your point. Um, I just think that's a really interesting, a uh, really interesting story because, like I like I said, you know your your investors are they're all local, uh, and it, it speaks to the power of of community here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, you we were talking earlier. You're a you're a very strong supporter of of women in technology, and mm-hmm. uh, talked a little bit about the the data uh, around uh, you know the number of companies that are female founded. CEO companies that receive venture capital. Uh, and you, you do fall in that, that 2% number. Um, and so, um, I think it's important to, ha- to highlight that, right. Is there still work to do? Absolutely. There is. Uh, but, uh, you certainly are a, a success story. And I think for that, you, you know, ha- hats off to you, right. And because it's, um, you've done a lot of great work, you've worked extremely hard and I think that needs to be, um, needs to be brought to the, to the forefront of this conversation. So, so kudos to you, uh, Ali, for doing the work that you've done. Um, um But before we uh, before we kind of you know jump off and things like that, what I what I really want to do now is kind of is focus on the the Series B round, right? So so you raised that uh, Series B round in October of this year. I think it was just about six point six point three million. Is that accurate? Correct. Six point three million. What what's next on the horizon, (laughs) right? As the as the founder and CEO of this company, you've you've raised this round. Where where do you grow, like? What, what, what happens to Hub? Uh, are you going to be hiring? Uh, are you going to be investing in in R&D? You know, things like that. Like talk a little bit about the, the roadmap for the next 6, 9, 12, 18 months.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the most exciting things that growth capital allows you the opportunity to think bigger. You know, when you're in a bootstrap company or working towards uh, breaking even, you make different decisions, you think differently. Uh, and with this Series B funding, it really allows us to just look at the world in a whole new perspective. So there's a lot of really exciting things that we're doing. We, in the past, have focused on the business process automation element of our business that we've been able to do successfully across the back end of events management. Uh, but in a in addition to that, I think that there is a bigger disruption to happen as it pertains to machine learning, AI, data, and analytics, because events are one of the largest contributors to marketing portfolios in terms of face-to-face interactions and conversions and sales. And so one of the elements that's missing in our industry is the ability to use that data um, to increase our business. And so a big vision for Hub over the next 12 months is continuing to look at how we bring in machine learning and AI that we've already done as proof of concepts to be able to completely disrupt our industry.
0: So it sounds like there's a lot. It sounds like there's a lot that you're going to do, right? I mean, that's, uh, you know, machine learning and, and, and AI is certainly, you know, transformed and probably will continue to transform some industries uh, as as those technologies uh, evolve. Um, and th- the last question I, I have for you um, let's talk about advice, right? You're, you're, you've been incredibly successful. You've worked your, your tail off, uh, to, to get into the position that you're at, you you know, you're now employing people. Can you give some, some advice to other, other founders out there, uh, just based off of your own experiences, uh, that you've, you've had?
1: Yeah, you know, even going into our Series B round, there um, that was a experience in and of itself. And I met with over sixty private equity and venture capital firms around the country, uh, and it is it doesn't get any easier. You know, sometimes I think as an entrepreneur, I think, oh, when I just reach this next milestone, it'll be better, or when I, you know, raise this next round, it's better, and there is no better. It's just different. And I think the thing for me that really throughout my entire career has been the most important is that grit of just one foot in front of the other and being focused on what needs to be done in the moment. And then also balancing that with understanding the market and the opportunity and being able to be to look at things uh, from all different angles, to know, you know, sometimes when you're blazing a path so fast and so hard, it's hard to look up from that and really objectively look across your business to figure out the success. So I think it's a mixture of grit and objectivity that allows you to be successful.
0: Excellent. Excellent advice. Uh, certainly applicable to um not just to the, to your space, right? Just to life in general. I, I mean, I think those are, those are great. Those are great words. It's, it's always one foot in front of the other and you take things day by day and, um, you know, kind of inch by inch. Uh, so I think that's important. Um, it's excellent to hear your, your feedback and your perspective, Ali. Um, but look, I want to give you your your time back. I know you have a lot of things going on. Um, really, really, really appreciate you spending time with us today on uh, on the upper left. Uh, and just one and the website is what Ali. If if listeners want to go to the website,
1: yeah, it's Hub with two B's, so H U B B dot me M E.
0: Hub dot me. Hub.me. Awesome. Again, Ali Magyar, founder and CEO of Vancouver, Washington-based Hub. Ali, it's been great to have you on the upper left today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Lee. I appreciate
0: it. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. That's all for this episode of The Upper Left. If you found it valuable, please head to our Patreon site and contribute whatever amount you can to our show. Your contribution will support entrepreneurship and innovation in The Upper Left. Thanks for your support, and we'll see you next time on The Upper Left.